Happy Friday. Welcome into NSN Daily. Alex Margulies, Chris Murray. I'm Brian Samudio. The Rez is somewhere in the matrix on assignments. A busy show for you on a Friday. Lindsay Felch is going to join us. She's from a Tahoe paddling community about a, an event that they're having uh, this weekend. You might want to know about. Jenna Holland from our own NSN team uh, presents Holland Holidays on our website. Uh, uh, she got to see a cactus for the very first time. And this is the Joshua Tree. She's from Atlanta, Georgia. So being out west, uh, getting to uh, do some exploring. We always know that she's out and about. We're going to break down the Sweet 16 matchups on our NSN Goat Challenge. And the money play of the week involves Michael Jordan and a pretty darn big fish off the coast of North Carolina. And I had no idea you could even catch this type of fish off the coast of North Carolina. But first off, there is a writer for the uh, the Lincoln Star uh, Journal Star. And uh, his name is Stephen Sippel. And they don't call it an editorial. I think it's an editorial, but they call it a topical. Um, and wrote this story yesterday, and it's been updated today, about Iowa possibly, you know, losing its head, head football coach, Kirk Ferentz, because there's some controversy going on there. Um, I don't know that he's going to be fired, but they're picking a couple of names as to who could be the next head coach at the University of Iowa. One is Bob Stoops, who obviously has had so much success in college football and has announced his retirement. The second is Jay Norvell, who obviously played his football at Iowa. He was an offensive coordinator at Nebraska. He's been all over the place, finally got his head coaching debut at 53 years old. Chris, does this hold any water at all, or is this just something to talk about? Well, I think if the Iowa job opens up, I think Jay would certainly be interviewed and be a candidate. I mean, uh, Iowa really likes to keep it in the family. I mean, they are very loyal to their coaches. I mean, basically between Kirk Ferentz and uh, his predecessor, Hayden Fry, you're talking about 45 years of, of two coaches. So it's, it's a really good job because you're going to have a lot of um, you know, support and, and given time to, to win games. And, uh, you know, he, he would certainly be in the mix because one of the big uh, reasons that Kirk is potentially on the chopping block is because there's been issues uh, of not being racially equal within the uh, department, the strength and conditioning coaches that a number of accusations levied against him. Um, so I think, you know, bringing in an African-American head coach, uh, if this ends up being a coaching change, would make a lot of sense to try and mend a lot of those fences. And what Jay has done at Nevada is certainly, uh, you know, he hasn't won crazy big. He's 18 and 20, but he has turned the program around a little and seems like he has Nevada on the rise. So, um, you know, I, I don't think Kirk France is going to be fired because of that loyalty that Iowa has shown its coaches. And it doesn't look like he did any wrongdoing, just somebody on his staff. But if it does open, it's, uh, worrisome for Nevada. The good news for Nevada is they just signed Jay Norvell to a five-year $3.125 million contract that is completely guaranteed both ways. So if he were to leave Nevada, he would owe Nevada more than $3 million, which uh, would be a potential stumbling block. Uh, you know, I think Iowa could certainly pay that if they wanted Jay Norvell as their next head coach, but kind of good timing for the contract in terms of making sure that Jay Norvell is going to be at Nevada for at least a few more years. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of was, was the buyout. Uh, obviously, you know, when you're talking about $3 million, uh, granted, Iowa, you know, when you get to that level of an Iowa, of an Arkansas, which we saw with, with Coach Moss, there are pretty deep pockets out there. And there are a lot of people that, that just will throw money at a program. Um, we were talking about this before we came on the air. Uh, people just, I don't think people realize just how wildly underfunded Nevada is, especially in, foot, in the sport of football. Um, but Alex, I could have seen this in a year because if Corona didn't happen, if this crappy virus hadn't messed up our lives um i could have seen nevada going out and having a 10-win season this year uh, we don't know what the schedule is going to look like 
Um, I could have seen it in a year because I understand, you know, 18 to 20, he's turned the program around. You're gaining momentum. There are still two losses to UNLV in there. But if, if Nevada had gone out and won 10 games in a bowl game this year, I could certainly have seen it. Yeah, I think that there's a, a strong chance that he would get a really heavy consideration, not only because he played at Iowa and now that he is a head coach, but because he's a longtime coordinator in that conference as well. I mean, you talk about time at Nebraska, uh, time in the Big 12 at Texas. So it's not like Jay Norvell hasn't been around for a really long time at a very high level uh, coaching at UCLA. So now that he's a recent head coach, obviously he doesn't exactly have a super strong track record. You mentioned the record, 18 and 20. It's, it's not going to blow anybody away. Uh, but he's so kind of fresh into this tenure, it's hard to really evaluate him entirely as a head coach. But if they like Jay Norvell, the person, and they go back to the fact that he played there and he's one of their guys, he's an Afri African-American head coach, even though he doesn't have maybe the head coaching resume per se, he checks every other box. And so you'd have yeah. to think that he would be uh, very heavily considered, uh, especially if they just like the person of Jay Norvell. And that's something that's been talked about here at Nevada is they really just like the guy. They like the human being and Jay Norvell and the way that he goes about his business. It's a big reason why they extended him. And so those are all great points. The, the, the extension uh, was huge for Nevada, giving them some protection uh, from this whole thing. So I, I wouldn't rule it out at all that this could possibly happen. Um, it'd be an interesting thing to keep an eye on, but I do think it's, it is a little bit more of kind of the clickbait and, and just something to talk about right now. I don't think that it's something that's seriously uh, going to happen, but it's something to keep on the radar here, you know, next year or two, whatever it is, that would be one of the most logical next steps for Jay Norvell as a head coach. If he does have really good success here at Nevada, especially you would think he would go to somewhere like Iowa as his next step up as a head coach, if that's what he wants to do. Yeah. Certainly one of the things that, you cannot dispute whether or not you agree with the X's and O's and the way that Jay handles his program. Uh, you cannot dispute the character of, of this man. Uh, Jay is a great guy. He's a great man. And we've gotten to know him on a personal basis as well as a, as a professional basis. Uh, Major League Draft is in the books for 2020, only five rounds. And as we expected, Christian Chamberlain, Reno High School graduate, uh, drafted on Thursday by the Kansas City Royals in the third round. Um, yeah, I was excited to finally see it happen. Once they kind of started ticking toward about 85 to 90, I really started watching it. At, and, uh, we saw Christian Chris go at 105. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good placement for him. It comes with a bonus lot value of $554,000. So, um, you know, it sounds like he will end up signing. I mean, no one's really going to turn down that money. You can uh, negotiate above him and below the number, but, um, you know, it'll be somewhere in that range, and it's something that he should take and turn pro. And uh, he joins a, a franchise that really has drafted a lot of college pitchers of late, so it'll be part of a really strong crop going up. Uh, I think the Royals may have gotten the best player in this draft, uh, Asa uh, Lacey, who's a Texas uh, A&M left-handed pitcher, so maybe they start at the same level and kind of grow together. But really great news for Christian. I actually went back and looked at the uh, locals who have been drafted in the top 100 of the MLB draft. So Christian ranks 16th uh, among locals picked in the uh, MLB draft. Uh, of the 15 above him, 13 made it to the big league level at some point in their career. So that's really great news for him that uh, if he just kind of follows that trajectory, this should be a big league pitcher a couple years down the road. It's probably more as a uh, relief pitcher than as a starting pitcher, but I think he will be given a chance uh, to start early on in his career and prove that he can be a starting pitcher. But just great for him to get his name called and for him to have the opportunity to start as a, a pro pitcher. Alex, we've uh, followed his career since uh, he was playing for Pete Savage at, at Reno High School. Uh, it's really neat when you get to see these these young athletes develop and then finally get that get that uh, you know day of vindication, that payday. 
Yeah, I think what, what you always kind of knew about Christian Chamberlain when you interviewed him as a kid and as a high schooler coming up is he always was very laser focused. You could tell that he was just he, he wasn't really interested in the accolades and talking about himself. And he just wanted to go out and play baseball. Uh, you know, it was it was a classic uh, kind of Reno High School uh, type of deal uh, under Pete Savage. You know, he talked about just how, you know, Pete Savage being in that program, you really get. Uh, accelerated very quickly and it prepares you for that next level. We've heard that, um, you know, for, from other players that we've talked to recently and for Chamberlain to get drafted the way that he did, this is, this is great news for him. Uh, I, I don't see there's any way that he goes back to school. Uh, it's a huge risk if he does, because you basically would have to bank on being a first or second round pick. And even then, you know, teams look at him as a, as a senior. We talked about this extensively yesterday. You lose all of your negotiating leverage. There's nothing to say that he wouldn't get drafted at all. And somebody just signs him and, and pays them whatever they want. So like Chris said, fully expect him to sign with the Royals. This is awesome. Um, and it'll be interesting, like Chris said, to see how does this guy get used? Uh, and maybe this will become uh, a situation like we've seen in the past with uh, players where over the last couple of years, teams using that, that deal where they're starting a guy for two innings and then, you know, you're using a reliever at the top of the game. Is that kind of a role that Christian Chamberlain can play? Is he a guy that comes out and opens a game, you know, for a couple of innings? I don't know exactly the Royal strategy on that kind of a stuff, but, you know, I think he is a versatile guy that throws hard and, and uh, definitely has a bright future. Yeah, and they've been doing tandem pitching as well. So basically two guys throwing four innings, that's been bandied about. Um, but yeah, he's he's a guy who's going to make it to the big leagues if he doesn't get hurt. And uh, kudos to Washoe Little League that's where my son is zoned for and uh, Christian played in Washoe Little League they call themselves the League of Champions he actually grew up in the Montreux area so uh, you know just really cool for kids in this area to see that you have a five foot ten pitcher uh, and he ended up getting uh, you know to pitch for the best uh, college in the entire nation and uh, potentially make it to the big league level you know size can't dictate your future if you're as driven as Christian Chamberlain as competitive as he is uh, you can make it to the big leagues as well. All right, much more to come here on NSN Daily. We'll have it for you right after the break. Welcome back to NSN Daily alongside Shannon Kelly. I'm Julian Delgadio. Joined now by Lindsay Felch. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here. I uh, want to say, like, you've never been on the show before, but what a great first start to this. Uh, you're hosting a paddle out Lake Tahoe, June 13th, 9 a.m. in support of Black Lives Matter. Uh, first and foremost, what gave you this idea and uh, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited to, to share what we're doing. Um, so first of all, um, just a little bit behind the event. Um, we're proud to collaborate with uh, Changing Times Foundation and Textured Waves. So they initially spearheaded the first paddle out for unity um, in, solid, in solidarity with Black Lives Matter on June 3rd, and that was held and led by Cell Masakela. And that was at Moonlight Beach in Encinitas, and there was a huge outpouring of togetherness, and it was absolutely incredible. And since the initial event, you know, we've seen paddle outs all over the world, pretty much. And, you know, as we all, during these crazy times as we all seek to understand. It's so beautiful to see, you know, the outpouring of togetherness and in our community and other communities across the country. So, you know, I have had a really big passion for stand-up paddleboarding and I used to put on an event called the Butterfly Effect in Tahoe, empowering women through water sports. So I wanted to use my passion um, to acknowledge the issue of systemic racism and 
stand up against racial injustice and police brutality. So I thought, what a better place than to bring it than Tahoe. We don't have an ocean like these other places, but we have a beautiful lake. So um, yeah, we're gonna host the event on Saturday at Waterman's Landing Beach um, in conjunction co-host with Waterman's Landing. They've been a big part of this. So we'll have our boards, kayaks, canoes, whatever paddle vessel, what I like to say that you have, or if you don't have one, just come and support and use your voice. Um, and we'll have you know, a moment of silence to honor in solidarity of Black Lives Lost to police brutality. And then we'll paddle out in unity to stand up to racial injustice. So that's a little bit about it. I'm excited. <laughs> How empowering do you think it is just to be able to host an event like this and to, you know, do it in a non-traditional way and to do it in water instead of just, you know, marching through town or uh, standing up that way? Yeah, I think, you know, and it's, it is very different. And I think, you know, using something that I'm passionate about and you've seen, you know, through social media, through Instagram, wherever people have been getting their resources, I think it's important to use something that you're passionate about to acknowledge the issue and to share and to educate and to to learn about these social injustices. So I think it's it's a really amazing way and it's it's very powerful. And more so, you know, we're we're celebrating these lives that have been lost also, but that's kind of the tradition of a paddle out, but I think it's just a very impactful way to do it. Now, for viewers unfamiliar, Waterman's Landing is actually right next to Garwoods. Uh, so I didn't know that. I've lived here for almost five years, but uh, <laughs> for, for those wondering. But this is just really awesome to be able to put on, bring together kind of the Tahoe community. I know there were protests in Truckee, obviously protests going on in Reno. But to, to have something like this on the lake and, and to be able to bring the community surrounding this and just to raise awareness, I mean, how rewarding is that for you? Yeah, I mean... It is really nice and you know, I do want to invite the Reno community too. This isn't just about Tahoe, you know, I feel like Reno, Tahoe, it's as a whole, you know, we, we both live in a beautiful location and we both have access to the lake. So I don't want to say it's just for the Tahoe community. I really want to encourage everyone to come. Um, but I think that, you know, the main thing is just that it's something that we can all do together. You know, we're paddling for unity, we're paddling for kindness, compassion, and most importantly, we're paddling for action. You know, the hope that I have, and I know that Changing Tides and Textured Waves has, is that, you know, we hope the paddle shows that together we're better and together we can create change. And I think that's the most important thing in that, you know, in order to dismantle racism, we need, we need allies. We need black allies. We need these allies to understand that this isn't just a temporary thing. It's not a temporary movement, but a systemic issue and that it will take continued effort to, to see that change. And, you know, we really want to encourage people that we need to take action beyond this event and beyond the protests and really make a pledge to how they're going to contribute to this you know, this movement. <laughs> what inspired you just to start um, these paddling events? Because you mentioned a few years ago starting the women's paddle event. What inspired you to start that? Um, I actually worked with, uh, her name is Tatiana Howard. She's from Maui. So clearly I have, I love the beach and <laughs> that's something that I am very passionate about. And 
you know, since we don't have the ocean and the beaches in Tahoe, we have a beautiful lake, but we still have beaches. So um, I really, I was working with her and we wanted to bring and encourage women to, you know, love the skin you're in and be outdoors and athletic and just motivate and encourage people, but in a different way again, through paddle sports and through, through the water, through a common a common interest really that and passion that I have that everyone can join it no matter you know how old you are size color of your skin whatever it may be anyone can do this all right last question so June 13th 9 a.m. for people who want to find out more information and, and to get involved and, and kind of spread the word uh, where can they go where can they find all this stuff yeah, so we don't have a website, unfortunately, but you can go to Waterman's Landing, um, their Instagram, their their Facebook. Yeah, their Facebook. And then you can also go to um, my Instagram. It's just Lindsay Felsch, my first and last name. And um, I have the link in my bio, so you can let us know that you're coming. And we do encourage everyone that if you are coming to join that Facebook event and tell us that you are coming just so we can have a better idea of how many people will be in attendance. Awesome. Yeah. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. We'll see you out there on Saturday. Uh, I know Shannon's got a big paddle board that uh, she hasn't used all season. So what a better reason to crack it up. Perfect. It's going to be a little chilly. So wear, wear your long sleeve rash guard. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with more on NSN Daily right after this. Welcome back into NSN Daily. Jenna Holland joining us here on the show to talk about her feature that you can find on NevadaSportsNet.com, Holland Holidays. You know, I think there's a behind-the-scenes maybe debate who's the better traveler, whether it's Alex Margulies or Jenna Holland. And I don't know. One – Alex has been everywhere, but the last thing I would ever want to do is argue with Jenna Holland because, I, because I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, Jenna, what's this feature about you, uh, Joshua Tree? Joshua Tree is this hidden gem, I'm going to call it, of California. No one really ever talks about it. My best friend lives down in Marina Del Rey. She's been there a couple times, and she calls it the local hidden gem because a lot of people don't know about it, and she actually found out about it uh, from some of her friends. So their birthdays, they celebrated at the end of May. So my treat to them was to purchase two nights in Joshua Tree. And even though it's a kind of a treat to myself as well. Um, but it ended up working out perfectly. And it was one of the coolest experiences that I think I've ever had. So you went to, I don't want to call it a trailer park. It's like a trailer palace, I believe is what you called it. So that's kind of where your journey starts. Tell us a little bit about, is it called Hicksville, uh, California? So it's called Hicksville. They actually have two different locations. The other location is about 30 minutes south of the Joshua Tree location. That one is more of a camping theme. I think they have a lot of different, uh, like a little town area that's all different types of logged houses and things like that. And then each one of those has a different theme, like Christmas and things like that. The one I went to is an actual trailer park, um, but definitely more of a palace. They're little airstreams that these people have created different themes for and so you just, you can't really explain it and LD my friend has talked about it so many times and she brags about it all the time and when we stepped in I was like wow you did not do this place justice and you just feel like you're stepping into a whole new world almost like Spongebob because everything's really cartoony and you kind of feel like you're in Bikini Bottom the pool is really like old school and like in the ground in a pool way and they have uh like a 
life house or a, um, what are they called? Like lifeguard stand. That's what I'm looking for. And everything is just really old school and super cool. And people are so nice. And you just open, everyone has their air streams open. So even though you're not staying in some of the cool theme ones, you can walk into the other ones and kind of see what they did. They have one that's called the Fifi that I really want to stay in next time I go back. The wigs that glow, which sounds really kind of weird and creepy, but they do it in a really cool way. So, and then there's a ball pit. I mean, literally kind of everything. I don't, it's, it's, again, you can't really put it into words. Chris, this sounds a lot, very much a lot like Burning Man without the nudity. But uh, <laughs> what, uh, how did you come across this place? How did you even find it? So LD, you can take your dogs down there. And my friend, she moved there and didn't know anybody. Um, but she heard through the grapevine and people in the dog park that there is this place called uh, Hicksville that everybody talks about. It's a huge, I mean, people go there annually at least once a year and just hang out in the park. They don't even go see Joshua Tree National Park. They just will stay in this like little excluded place. Um, and they have a little area where you can order food. Like you really don't have to leave. You can spend three days in this place and there's something new to do every day. So she found out through friends and then went in with her dog solo and had the best time. And then she went back with her mom. And then I was like, okay, I'm jealous you're taking everybody but me. So I was like, you know what, for your birthday, you're gonna take me to this really cool trailer palace and let me experience this. And again, it was just the coolest thing. And you slept in a yurt uh, later on in the trip. Now it's, it's kind of like a really nice teepee, I guess, uh, is how I would describe it. What was that experience like? I know you guys had air conditioning, but you weren't able to turn it on for whatever reason. It sounds like uh, the, the host wasn't, uh, didn't, didn't flip the switch for you guys. So she did reach out to me, to be fair. I think that they have been building these for a year or so, and they're probably just really excited to get them open for the season because they are really cool. Everything is hand-painted. There's a huge history behind them. Some tribe created them. They're, like, all carved, uh, especially for this tribe, um, this particular tribe. And there's about eight of them, and they all have a different colored door. So then you would stay in the blue house. We stayed in the orange house. And she me before and say, hey, we don't know if there's going to be air conditioned. Just want to give you a heads up. The quarantine has kind of, like, pushed our stuff back. We've been able to get things open and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I was like, you know what, we're going to, I'm going to suck it up. This looks really cool. Um, and we decided to do it anyways. And then when we got there, we actually did have air conditioning and she was telling us, uh, yeah, like, it'll be really nice when you come back, make sure you close the door, blah, 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 all this stuff when we get back. And I guess there's no electricity ran to these yet because there was no lights. Um, we had these little solar lights, but we didn't leave ours outside. So no solar power was happening to those lights so pitch black and the air conditioning was completely off so I guess whatever switch that she has hooked up in the park was off that night and we were sweating pretty bad but other than that it was a really cool experience I'm sure that they're going to have electricity there so everyone should still go check them out so what is, what is the price range for something like this this sounds like it could be really really expensive or really really thrifty what, what, what is what is the price range so the trailer park, um, you can stay, there's some of the Airstreams that hold up to like 10 people. And obviously those will get a little bit more pricey. I think that they have a bigger cleaning fee. Um, and then other ones you can stay just two people and they're pretty cheap. They run, I mean, not cheap, but around like two fifty a night for um, some, something like that. Um, and the year was around, I think, three fifty for one night. Um, but we split that one three ways. And so that was like awesome. But um, 
you know, it's a, it's a little pricey, I think, but it's also a really small town and honest, the experience of it was worth it. In my opinion, we got outside and we had these little lights on our head. That was like the only light that we could use when I cooked burgers and we tried to get this fire started. But once everything was like settling down and we were just hanging out by the fire, there's no lights in the city. You just see, we had the strawberry moon. So it was just bright as, as heck and like lighting up the sky and you could see every star. So it was just really breathtaking and humbling because I don't really go camping a lot. So it was a really cool experience to kind of just take it all in at once. Chris, what about, uh, did you stay in a yurt, Chris? Uh, oh yeah, no, they look really cool. Like I've seen some of these like, uh, you know, HGTV shows and they're like building yurts on like uh, the ocean side of, of Hawaii. And I'm like, I could, I could live like that. That looks like a pretty cool experience. But I was going to say, just in the actual national park itself, what is there to do? It seems like it's just like a hot desert. Uh, and, you know, based on what I saw in Entourage, some people will partake in, uh, you know, some drug use, I guess, and turn it into <laughs> Burning Man. But if you're just going to the national park, do you just kind of drive around and look at cactuses or are there other things going on? I've never seen a cactus. So that was actually a highlight for me. They have a cactus garden. And... Actually, the park is separated on the eastern and the western side, and Joshua trees and the cactus are on one side, and the other side is mainly rocks and trails and cool things like that. So you drive through, it's just basically one long, long road, and you can stop at different exhibits along the way. Uh, they have a lot of rocks. There's one famous one called Skull Rock, and it literally looks like a skull and um, everything else, and that's a pretty good hot spot. It's really good for climbers. You'll see a lot of people scaling the side of uh rocks and stuff and getting to like breathtaking views one time we tried or one of the uh rock pictures is called jumbo rocks we saw these people up top and we we're like wow that would be the coolest photo like in the coolest view we couldn't figure out a way to get up there so i'm guessing those guys scaled the top so be careful when you do that kind of stuff um but no there's a bunch of different trails and like hidden gems kind of throughout the whole place and there's cool spots where you can just hike along the trail and then you see a bunch of people just setting up camp so I, I'm assuming Joshua Tree is pretty open to wherever you want to camp, you're able to. So just, it's honestly super peaceful. It's only 35 miles an hour to go down this entire road and you just kind of take it all in. And it wasn't that hot when we were there, so thank goodness. But um, no, just a lot of climbing. And then even if you don't scale rocks, there's still a bunch of rocks to do rock climb to get to the top and like have a beautiful view as well. You had never seen a cactus before in your life. Growing up in Atlanta, you, there were any cacti in Atlanta. No, I've seen the really cute ones, you know, that you can like buy for your front yard that like you don't really like have. But what we did see is that they had one of their flower shops. You could buy a cactus flower to send to somebody for the birthday. So I did make it very clear to my friends that when my birthday came around, I wanted a cactus flower and I pointed out the cactus that I wanted. So hopefully they pull through and, you know, give me my first cactus on that end. <laughs> we, we got them in Nevada. You just got to drive south toward Vegas. Once you hit Goldfield, they're all over the place. You'll see them right there. <laughs> Jenna Holland and Holland Holidays uh, on Nevada Sportsnet. If you want to read the full story and get the lowdown on the Joshua Tree, go to NevadaSportsNet.com. Jenna, appreciate the time. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, the Go Challenge has reached – the Sweet 16 will break down the bracket after the break. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Uh, Goat Challenge continues and uh, the greatest of all time when it comes to sporting figures from our area. Chris, we have reached the Sweet 16 and uh, not a ton of surprises, maybe a little bit. We did see a one seed go down with Patty Sheen against Nate Burleson, but uh, uh, let's get into some of these matchups. 
Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll be releasing them one a day, just like I have been, but I want to give you four and see which way you guys would vote. So I'll give you four of the eight matchups. Uh, the Marion Motley versus Nick Fazekas. Which way you guys vote? Oh, I, I, my heart says Fazekas, but my head says Motley. I would vote Marion Motley. I got to go Motley, yeah. Yeah, that would be a tough one. So yeah, we're That's, just tough. Get a That's tough. That's good. That's good. Uh, okay, so the next bracket, we have uh, Nate Burleson against Edgar Jones. Is Nate's uh, miracle run continue, Brian? I think it might. I think it might. Um, I still, and not to, not to bag on anything, I still think Nate was, was seated a little low for my, for my preference. But uh, I think Nate could beat out Edgar Jones just because, I mean, a lot of people didn't see Edgar Jones play and see how dominant – of a human being, he was on the basketball court. He was incredible. But uh, Nate had a great NFL career, very likable, and now has had an incredible media career afterwards uh, on, on television. Alex? Yeah, I, I think Nate's going to continue his, his, his incredible Cinderella run as a 16 seed. The name recognition, I think, is too strong right now, and I don't think enough people know about Edgar Jones's impact. Okay, the next uh, region, I think those will be pretty simple. You got Chris Alt against Jake Dalton, as much as we love Jake Dalton. And, and congratulations to he and his wife. They announced yesterday yes. they're having a child. So kudos to them. Uh, I think Alt passes on that one. And then you got Colin Kaepernick against Jamie Anderson. I think Cap wins that one pretty easy. So we'll go to the next bracket. Uh, we've got Gabby Williams against Luke Babbitt, two McDonald's All-Americans who uh, made it up to the highest level of their respective sports. Which way are you guys going? We'll start with Brian again. I'll, I'll take Luke Babbitt in that one. Um, just I think there's going to be name recognition, his, his time in the NBA. Um, but Gabby, incredible basketball player, incredible person. You know, just such a humble young woman. And uh, really enjoyed covering her career. But I, I, will devote, I would vote Babbitt there. Another tough one. Uh, I'll take Gabby. I think they're, they're pretty close to even, I think you would say, in name recognition. And uh, obviously have reached the pinnacle of their sports. Uh, Gabby's a national champion. Maybe that puts her over the top. And then the, the, the last of our four we're going to discuss, we have David Wise against JaVale McGee. And I'll be interested on this one because it, uh, maybe not quite as accomplished to David, but playing basketball, I think that probably helps him. Which way would you vote, Brian? Yeah, that's, that might be the hardest one for me. Um, David Wise, you're talking about gold medals. You're talking about world champion. And, I mean, granted, the NBA says world champion, and people back in the USA for saying – Oh, the Red Sox are world champions. You didn't play anybody in Korea. Well, okay, fine. But you know what? I, my, my initial knee jerk was David Wise. Uh, I'd go David Wise. I mean, he's, he's kind of the, the pinnacle of a, of a sport. It's not as well of a known sport compared to basketball, obviously, but he's the best half-pipe skier in the world. He's a two-time gold medal winner. Uh, I think, you know, there is the, the name recognition in town still, even though he's not a mainstream athlete. JaVale McGee, obviously, he's achieved a ton in his career. He also has kind of, you know, an interesting personality about him that maybe doesn't mesh with everybody. So maybe some people won't vote for him, you know, because of JaVale McGee as JaVale McGee versus David Wise. But it, it should be nice. I think I would stick with David because I'm just thinking that about that. He's a Reno guy. He's from, he went to yeah. high school. He lives in Verdi. He's mm -hmm. raising his family here. I think if you went to JaVale and no knock on JaVale, JaVale would still claim Flint, Michigan, which is where he grew up. He should claim Flint, Michigan. But if you ask David Wise where he's from, he's going to say the 775. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be a big impact as well, but a lot of these races are going to be close. I don't think there's any like, Oh, that's easy. Slam dunk. Like, you know, people are going to be torn and that'll be fun about the sweet 16 as we move forward is we're really getting Mount Rushmore type athletes in our area going against each other. So we'll start releasing those on Monday. Uh, and then we'll, uh, you know, move through that bracket. And uh, I think we've got about a month left before we name the greatest sports figure in Northern Will it be Colin Kaepernick? Will it be Chris Hall? Will it be David Wise, Matt Williams, Greg LeMond? A lot of different really good options out there. And, you know, we'll come down to how everybody in the community votes. I would be curious if we were able to get this group together to do a beer pong tournament, Alex, who would be, who would be your winner? Of all those guys? Yeah. Chris Hall. <laughs> Yay, baby. I mean, I'd probably go back to Fizikis. Like, I feel like he, he – he, I still think he was going to win the whole thing. He had a rough night. Although Dalton made it to the finals, like he made it all the way there, so why wouldn't we pick Jake Dalton? Yeah, exactly. gotta be one of those two guys. The the, the, we had the right. I think we had the right field. Although, like Javale, another basketball guy, another seven footer. Uh, I feel like Javale could probably sink some cups. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. I wouldn't doubt that at all. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we did have Garrett Hampson on the show earlier this week, and he thinks he would have made a deep run. He thinks – he, he said he, he wants in for the next one. Let's invite him back for next year when we do this again because we're going to do it. Battleborn Beer uh, has off, obviously has said, yep, we want to be a part of it. So we're going to do this. We're going to do it again next year. Um, sans Julian Delgadio, though. He does not get – Yeah, I don't, think he gets his, I don't think he gets a spot again. Did he no. get his day? Did he get his day? No, I don't think so. Is he going he's had to plenty, get – Well, I guess specified date because he's had a lot of dates. Well, no, did he get his date with Annalise? I don't think he's had a date with Annalise, but he's, you know. <laughs> he's moved on. Well, I think he's still, you know, holding out for that in a sense. Uh, you know, she's in L.A. He's here, coronavirus. I feel bad for I think him. He'll, I think he'll get the date eventually. No, yeah. I don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. He, you're in the date. Like, it's kind of, you he'll know. Get it. He'll get the date. on medicine. He'll get the date. But he does back out of every bet, so you shouldn't feel bad if he doesn't get it. It, it like, would be kind of fair in yeah. the end, I guess. <laughs> Poor guy can't even sit here and defend himself. No, no. All he would He's do fine. is go, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. But still. Yeah, you're right, Chris. I think he earned it. I think he earned it. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Uh, and somehow we got off of Go Challenge into Julian Delgadio's social life. <laughs> Coming up next year on NSN Daily – our Dollar Loan Center money play of the week. You think you've caught big fish in your life? Wait till you see what Michael Jordan caught. That's coming up next. It is Friday, and that means our Dollar Loan Center money play of the week. Uh, I, was, uh, I was made fun of a little bit in our, in our meetings uh, by the NSN crew because I'd, I'd been on a birthday kick. Uh, World War II veterans had been celebrating birthdays with parades, so I'm getting away from that a little bit. And uh, Michael Jordan, I mean, everybody has seen, pretty much everybody's seen the documentary, and you, you know how much of a competitor he is. Jordan recently was competing in the Big Rock Blue Marlin Fishing Tournament in his native North Carolina. And off the coast of North Carolina, he and his team caught a marlin that weighed more than 442 pounds. Now, guys, have you caught anything near that? I can't even imagine catching something that size. No, no, I've never, I've never caught a big fish like that. We've tried uh, when I would have gone fishing with my wife's family in Hawaii, trying to catch a, a big marlin or uh, you know, a big tuna or something. But 
450 plus pounds. That's crazy. How many hours did it take them to get it in? They didn't say. They didn't say. But I mean, that could be like a six-hour fight. Oh, it could easily be something that long. Oh. Chris, have you ever encountered anything? I mean, a quarter of that size? I don't even think I've gotten a four-pound fish. I'm pretty pathetic. <laughs> no, nah, nowhere near that. Uh, reminds me of Hemingway book, which I'm blanking on the name of, uh, but uh, Old Man in the Sea. Old Man in the Sea. Where he's trying to reel in that marlin, and the, the sharks are eating it, and he's getting upset, and he's trying to punch the sharks. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure Jordan's experience was a little bit different than that, but uh, it would be really cool. I know Matt Mummy, the Wolfpack offensive coordinator and now uh, associate head coach, um, has gone on those, uh, I guess, tours quite a bit and, and reeled some good stuff. And that sounds like a great exploring our backyard for Alex. Let's see if we can send you down to Florida and uh, yeah. uh, let, let you in. know with Coach Mummy. As, as long as – the thing is, is like you go all that way and it's called fishing for a reason. Like if it was like catching and like, okay – we're going to send you to go catch this 400 pound fish. Like I'm in the, the problem is, is that as we all know, it's like you go out there and like one out of every 20 times you get a chance at something like that. It's just so it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Alex and I have, uh, have, have enjoyed going out to, uh, out to pyramid Lake and fishing with our buddy, Doug Willette with Calvada fly fishing and have done really well with the cutthroats out there. It reminds me of, I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, my family, we all went on a cruise, mother, mom, mom and dad, my sister and I, with some family friends, and dad and I chartered a boat with a family friend off of uh, the coast of Manzanillo in, uh, on the Pacific coast of Mexico, and we caught a Pacific blue marlin, and it took us 90 minutes to get it in, and it was probably, it wasn't even half that size, I mean, it, but it was, it was still about nine feet long, tip to tail. But an amazing experience in, in being able to, to go out and, and do that. But to, me in my older age, I'm a catch and release guy. I like seeing the fish go back in the water. Uh, unless you're taking it home, you're going to grill it that day or something like that. I'm a catch and release guy. But I grew up bass fishing. And, you know, it's, to catch something that size, and you realize if you were in the water with it, you're not the predator anymore. You're, you're, you're the prey. But uh, Michael Jordan with a 440-plus pound marlin off the coast of north carolina i didn't even know marlin were that far north yeah I, since winter marlin and 450 pounds off the coast of north carolina that's yeah, crazy he's, he's making it up he wants he's to be making it up. the greatest of all time mm-hmm. past uh, lebron are there are there, <laughs> are there are there like are there pictures where, where are the pictures i need to i need to look this up now i'm sure there are pictures but uh, MJ also uh, announced he was donating $100 million to racial equality causes as well, and kind of a turnabout from his previous, uh, you know, viewpoints on some of these things. So kudos to him for that. Kudos to him for the, the last dance, and kudos to him for the fish that Alex is looking it's up. It's a big like, fish. It's a big, it's a big fish. It's, it's a big, big fish. Not stuffed. It's a real fish. Uh, it's, a re- it's a big fish. Now more than 200 wow. boats are competing in this event to uh, split a record purse of more than $3.3 million. And believe it or not, this huge haul, this fish, was not big enough to even crack the top three. Wasn't big enough to crack the top three. So uh, Who knew that? Maybe North Carolina is like the, the hotbed Martin. of marlin fishing. Crazy. Martin twins are going to reel one in. Yeah, that, that, those are the guys I want to go fishing with is the Martin twins. Here, check this out, guys. The average blue marlin between 200 and 400 pounds but some can reach 14 feet and weigh more than 1,900 pounds, according to National Geographic. Yeah, it's Basically. literally like rowing, uh, reeling in something that has a sail on it because of how big that dorsal fin is. And 
they're absolutely beautiful. They're they're almost an iridescent blue in in that in that, it's you know, like that dinosaur like off the coast of Mexico. Yeah, it's almost like you're trying to reel in an ichthyosaur. And uh -huh. if you ever have a chance, go out and check out the ichthyosaur museum out there in in uh, Berlin, near Berlin, Nevada. It's absolutely beautiful. That's an exploring our backyard. I might go out there. You can camp out there too. I don't know if the <laughs> campgrounds are open during the pandemic, but it's a really neat tour to find ichthyosaurs in the middle of desert Nevada. Say that five times fast. Ichthyosaur, 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 ichthyosaur. Ah. Wow, that's good. I think uh, you nailed it. Dang. I don't know. I don't know. I well, can't say it once. <laughs> well, final thoughts here on NSN Daily right after this. Wrapping things up here on NSN Daily. Guys, the weather's going to be perfect. It's not going to be too hot. Finally, we have a weekend where it doesn't look like it's going to snow on us. Any plans for the weekend, Chris? Yeah, we're going to go to Bernie Falls. Uh, so the weather does not look great for Saturday. We were going to go on Saturday, but it's supposed to be like 60 with a large chance of rain. Uh, so we moved our trip to Sunday. It's going to be in the you know 75 region. There isn't supposed to be any rain. So Alex uh, convinced me. I sent his article to my wife as soon as it uh, she said she's in, the kids are in, it'll be a little bit of a drive, but that is our uh, plan for the weekend. Awesome. Alex, what you got? <laughs> I love it. I love that Chris is going to go check that out. It's an awesome spot. Well worth the drive. Have fun. Uh, you know, we're going to go on an exploring our backyard shoot. I can't reveal exactly what we're doing just yet. So uh, going to try and, and hold that uh, close to the vest here. But uh, we are kicking back up with our TV version of exploring our backyard, and we're going to go out and, and get our first shoot. Uh, and hence, it involves uh, the desert side of our, our region. We're going, uh, going out uh, east and north away from the Sierra. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, but the rest of the weekend, actually planning on uh, driving over to the Bay. It's a friend of mine's birthday. We're going to go see them and, and uh, get out of town for, for a night and uh, go, go hang out with some friends this weekend. I'm going to grill, and I'm going to go to the river. Uh, a couple of days ago, I – I usually cruise out toward Verdi and, and down into that area and, uh, and try and you know, get your feet in the water. But there was a wreck on Thursday when I was trying to drive out there. So I got turned around and came back up Fort Street and went down to just Mayberry Park. What a hidden little gem. You can walk literally 100 feet from your car and, and you get your feet in the water at the Truckee River. I want to thank Lindsay Felch for being with us today, their event over the weekend, and also Jenna Holland for joining us. And uh, the Go Challenge continues. Go to NevadaSportsNet.com to make your voice heard. For Chris Murray, Alex Margulies, and the Rez, somewhere in the Matrix, I'm Brian Samudio. Have a great weekend.